<laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Uh, welcome to another crossover podcast featuring members of this time. We are Podcast Ken Mills, the almighty Podfather himself. Welcome, mm-hmm. sir. And of course, my voice, you can tell I am. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm Napoleon today. Wait, no. I'm I'm Julian Gillen. Of course, I am one of the uh, regular participants in the KISS FAQ podcast. Ken, good to talk with you, as always. I look forward to our chats, and this time we're actually taping one, so we better behave. There will be evidence. Julian, it's such an honor to be part of the first VaultCast, episode one. This is so cool. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, you're the first person I thought of when I thought, why don't we start doing a regular-ish kind of podcast just dedicated to Gene Simmons' vault? And, you know, Gene would want me to just do something right now, and that is plug his website. Absolutely. And if you want more information, you can check it out at GeneSimmonsVault.com. Okay, Gene, thank you very much for that. And uh, I'm sure not Gene will have something to say about all of this while we go through this. But, you know, GeneSimmonsVault.com is the source for all KISS information. It is the place to go. It is, if you want to know about the vault, you know, do you want this to be your vault or do you want this to be mine? It should be your vault, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you've had some good news in the last 24 hours, haven't you? Yes, I have had some excellent news in the last 24 hours. Let's 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 take it back a little bit. As as a person who has documented, you know, all of history like yourself, people were sending me messages or coming up to me and saying, "Hey, I can't wait to hear your review on the Gene Simmons vault." And I'm like, I don't have fifty thousand dollars, let alone, you know, I I I don't have the two thousand dollars, you know, whatever price point a person would want to join up at. And Andrew Jacobs was the first one who said, you know, if you started a GoFundMe, I would pledge. I think you should do it. I think that enough people care about you and want to hear what you have to say that you should do it. I said, I I will not start it. I absolutely will not. And four or five people were talking on the podcast Facebook page. And Christine Carlson Wolf took the ball and ran with it. And she started up a GoFundMe page. And we were sitting in the living room. And my wife said, you won't believe what's, what's right here. And it had already started. And there was $200 within like the first hour. Just bang. And it was very shocking in a way because, th- you know, I, I made it clear that this is nothing that is needed. You know what I'm saying? This is not a charity. This is not going to help people with water, restore electricity or anything that's important in the world. And I, I want to encourage everybody to, you know, help out where you can if you can. Right. I mean, that's something that you believe in. I know it's something I believe in. But this is also fun and Whoever thought that, A, this was going to happen, right, that, that, the, that the box set was even going to come out? Because we've been hearing about this since, what, 2004? Oh, we've been hearing about it for decades. We've been hearing about it since it was posted in black and white. Yes, yes. But I remember back in the day, it was Monster. It was called Monster. There was called Alter Ego. It was, it was always something Gene would speak about in interviews that someday when he found – you know, when a record company or somebody approached him with the right distribution method, this would happen. 
Do I think that it's absurd or over the top? You betcha. But that describes the entirety of Kiss's career, right? Everything they've ever done. Oh, w- without a doubt. Would you expect Kiss or Gene Simmons to do something subtle? I don't think they'd know the word. It's not in the vocabulary. And thank God it isn't because life would be very dull without Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, and some of the the kooky ideas those two come up with. Absolutely. And they have taught both you and I, if we do something, do it with style. I mean, anyone that's read your books know that you put a lot of time into what you do and they're over the top and wonderful and I love them. And you were one of the people who contributed greatly to get this to happen, that that the vault experience would happen for Ken Mills. You were one of the people. When I when I saw Andrew Jacobs post, I immediately clicked like on that. I believed in it, and you know, obviously, we can't do this for every single person. It's just uh, an impossibility. But if there was no person who wasn't just worthy of you know a group effort to get a vault to, then you're that one person, Ken. And I I mean this. I'm not going to stroke you. I'm I'm not going to rub up against your leg here. But everything that you've given to the KISS community, everything that you've given to me personally, you're an inspiration to me. And I'm so glad. I'm so proud of the KISS Army and everyone who has responded to the GoFundMe for you that you're going to get to experience this. Because I also know this. You know, While we're going to do a, a little podcast today about uh, some of the material in this vault, when you do the full podcast treatment for your experience, I know that is going to be an episode that no one can miss. I, I know that you're going to do it in such a way that it's going to be the definitive way that we as the KISS Army can experience the vault if we're not able to do it ourselves. So it, it was all about you being the right person, the proper person. And you know what? To give you something back, a little bit of 10 years of what you, and more than 10 years of what you've given the KISS community, then right on. So I salute the KISS Army, the fabulous button queen for putting it out there, and also working with a lot of people to help make sure that it happened. It's it's just been fantastic to watch and to be a part of. There have been over 90 people that have contributed to make this happen, and it's been stunning to see this all come together. I'm going to take everyone's name with some notes. You know, maybe they left a message in there, you know, whenever they donated or whatever. And I'm going to present the card to Gene Simmons. I'm going to get a picture of him holding the card. I want him to be aware that this was not just one guy spending his tax, you know, his uh, income tax refund or something like that. That this was something that a lot of people believed in and that they made it happen. And it's been an amazing set of people, not only the great Kiss fans, but a lot of Monkees fans and just just people who have dug all the shows and you know it's it, it it's like the Beatles said and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make and you know we put a lot of smiles out there into the world and we want to keep on doing that but I was really impressed by what you did because you gave some very rare books away as part of this and it was it was a an amazing thing Dwayne Tootle who has a book about Prince oh is coming out. I, I want to do an episode on Dwayne's book I met him in L.A. And his yep. book is going to be absolutely fantastic. So, you know, if you're not a Prince fan, I, I would still say if you're interested in the recording history and history of an artist, check out Dwayne's book without a yes. doubt. 
It's going to be excellent. But he did that. And representatives uh, on behalf of Peter Tork donated signed things. Uh, people on behalf of Mickey Dolan's donated signed things. Michael Nesmith. There was an action figure uh, that Michael Nesmith signed that was donated by Jody Ritson and it was just amazing. So it wasn't just it wasn't just people donating money. Plus, there was a lot of collectibles, and uh, I, I did some actual drawings of Gene Simmons, the man himself, and things like that. And so a lot of people got something back as well. So that it was a very cool event. So you know, at, at the end of the day, we're we're talking ninety Ken Mills fans. I think people who. Uh... <laughs> who probably recognize what you've given to various communities because you're just not a KISS guy. You do do the Monkeys, Zilch, the podcast, correct? And uh, yep. you do a Cheap Trick one, I believe, as well? Mm -hmm. And the newest baby, Pop, which is all about pop culture and everything from TV to movies to whatever. So we are, we you know, like KISS, it's, it's a, we're branding everywhere, right? Hello Kitty, here we come next. Um, so <laughs> may, maybe maybe not i think some ideas are better left on the sketching board oh come on a, a nice hello kitty version of me that would be cool but <laughs> all, all, all kidding aside i never thought that we would see this vault box set and it has really shaken the kiss world some people are very upset some people are very thrilled some people are confused but that kind of again goes back to that's kiss for you right yeah and and just think about this ken in the last day paul stanley's publicized a line of jewelry um mm -hmm. that's having a very similar sort of response within the the kiss army and uh, you know those people who are still supporters and those who uh, have kind of stepped away you know i never thought gene would actually find someone who would give him enough money in order to make it worthwhile and mm -hmm. I'm very happy that uh, we're going to receive a vault. I'm even more happy that the first one's going to be in Los Angeles, which is closest to me. So I'll be one of the early adopters and get to work out the kinks for everyone who goes later. Um, so Gene will learn a lot from his experience of me because he thinks it's the Gene Simmons vault experience. No, he's actually sold me the Julian Gill vault experience. There you go. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Julian, because some people have said, that things like this, like, for example, that was mentioned on the KISS FAQ message board, that KISS has caused a division amongst its fans by pricing fans into certain categories. Now, before you answer that question, I want to run this by you. People are outraged about Paul's jewelry and the prices of that or even his art. And some people are upset about even Peter Chris's farewell dinner and performance. Remember that? People were upset about the price of that. And now we've got this vault. But I just want to turn you towards a similar fan base that has multiple itinerations of itself. Star Trek. There's the original series. There's Next Gen. There's Deep Space Nine. And now Discovery, the brand new thing. And the only way to watch episodes of Discovery is to pay $7.99 or $9.99 a month for the ad-free experience. And Star Trek fans are losing their minds because this is something that they've always got for free on television. I see as much outrage about 
someone having to pay $9.99 a month or $7.99 a month as I do about this $2,000 vault experience or the Paul Stanley jewelry line. Your thoughts? From one uh, perspective, I guess I'm an egalitarian and I would like to think that everyone could have everything. I'm also a realist that, um, you know, I would love to have a Porsche Panamera and I just, mm-hmm. I just can't quite afford it. So I can't, right. I can't have one. Um, I can afford a vault, so I'm going to have to sell a lot of copies of Alive to do so. So I, under- mm-hmm. I understand why people get upset. They think they're being excluded and disrespected in some way by these kind of methods of monetizing property that uh, are being explored by various bands and acts and entities. So you had a very good example with the new Star Trek series, which I'm having to boycott because I just I'm not interested in paying that in order to see it, especially until I've seen some of it somehow in order to judge whether it's worth paying. So, um, you know, on, on that side of things, I'm perfectly fine in saying, well, I can't have it. I can live with it. On the Kiss mm-hmm. side, I didn't like the price point of the Kiss Monster book. I don't have one. Right. I have, but then again, I have no interest in a coffee t- uh, coffee table size book that I wouldn't be able to store in an apartment in San Francisco. So you can have someone come over and turn the pages with you. Well, uh, it would take the whole Think room about- up. That's the problem. And uh, you live in an apartment, you don't have room. So. I wouldn't buy one anyway. The pictures just weren't interesting enough for me. But that's besides the point. People want to get mad sometimes, I think, as well. They want to be offended. I, I can't um, afford to go on the cruise, uh, you know, aside from the fact I really don't want to be on a boat with a bunch of KISS fans. And I mean that, I don't mean that negatively, but I don't want to be 24-7 on a boat with nothing but KISS surrounding me. I need to be able to step away from it. So I, I can't bring myself to ever spend that sort of money to do that sort of thing so does that kind of answer that i understand the frustration i understand the feeling of exclusion i understand that trying to monetize things sometimes leaves you know a little bit of a negative aftertaste i i get it but it's just so freaking cool, <laughs> you know. It's 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 something it's something cool. I said I wasn't going to buy the Kisteria box set. By the way, I, I completely said that's an absolutely joke of a price for the product that they're putting out. It's horrible. Blah blah blah. I, I, someone can probably dig up every comment I made about why Kisteria was rubbish. I went and bought it um, <laughs> in in December last year. Still paying it off, yeah. but uh, I did go and buy it. And this, you know, I I I did click. I checked. The first thing I did was logged into my uh, credit card and see if I could do it. And then I clicked purchase and then started looking at my collectibles, deciding what I might have to do. I understand that a lot of people have been members of the KISS Army far longer than I have. A lot of the people out there have supported the band through lineup changes and ups and downs, ebbs and flows that predate my becoming a KISS fan. And I can see them seeing that things are getting more and more expensive when it comes to being a KISS fan. That you've got $2,000 Kisteria box sets, $4,000 books, however many thousands of dollars it costs to go on the cruise with all the travel and everything else that goes with it. Concert tickets are not $7.50 anymore. You're having to pay 70 80 90 bucks for decent KISS tickets at a show. Um, yep. So I, I can just see that inflation and the KISS Army is taking a toll on maybe how things are received. 
But that's not just in KISS. That is in everything. For example, going back to Star Trek, you have the Star Trek Las Vegas experience where you can be on the deck and all these various things. There's conventions. There's cruises. There's all these things. This is not just something that is, uh, you know, part of, of KISS and KISS culture. It is part of rock and roll culture. It is part of... Uh, our culture period we now fan you know we are living in the ages of fandom right and part of the fandom thing is that when you see everybody else opening up like let's say that there was a new kiss album that came out and only uh you know ten thousand were made and people would see their friends and fellow kiss army members opening up these albums and there's a feeling of hurt you know how come i'm now not able to do that like for example the monkeys did a 200 dollar blu-ray box set and it, a lot of people were upset by its sheer existence just the fact that it existed because they may not have had a blu-ray player let alone a dvd player right uh they they may be going well i'm on a fixed income i can't afford to get a blu-ray player and well it, you know how do i hook it up to my tv it's all these things we live in an age where people had a hard time figuring out how to set their VCR clock, and now you've got to come into high def, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that $200, the, the price was not the problem. It was that the upgrade that had to come with it. You know, a, you, Some people had to buy a new high def TV. Some people wanted the high def to be in regular DVD format which defeats the purpose of high def, as you know. So it's, it's weird what will separate fans f or, or at least make people feel that they're separated from their fandom. I think that this is where a lot of the uh, people being upset and the hurt is coming from. Yeah, it is. But, you know, one thing I do feel is that the middle class in America, the middle class, you know, is a very broad group nowadays as you know, money's really starting to be flow into one area of the population and leaving everyone else without, is that life is becoming so expensive. You used to be able to go to baseball games, and I'm, I'm speaking about the San Francisco Giants, obviously, since I, I do live here, and tickets have gotten more and more expensive. San Francisco 49ers, no longer in San Francisco, but no one can really afford to go to those games. So in so many areas of culture of what has been our life things are starting to be become out of reach and when it happens to a band or to a musician that you love and respect all of a sudden you're like oh they're doing it too i, I can see where some of the anger and disgust is coming from absolutely but here we are gene simmons is celebrating 50 years in rock and roll with the release of his vault so, shall we let him speak for himself yeah, why not? And uh, Gene's put out an electronic press kit, so here's a little clip of Gene introducing his vault. I'm celebrating 50 years. Can you believe it? 50, some people might say, somewhat legendary years in rock and roll. I've been planning something very special for the fans. It's called the Vault Experience. And Gene would get mad at me if I didn't do this one as well at the same time. So if you want to find out more about the Gene Simmons Vault... And if you want more information, you can check it out at GeneSimmonsVault.com. Now, you might be wondering, and uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know what it is, but we'd be remiss not to just give a little bit of an overview about the Gene Simmons Vault. 
Well, the vault experience is an inside look at my somewhat weird, colorful journey, which I have to tell you is far from over, by the way. It features a limited edition collectible vault that includes, well, it's a box set, and it includes 150 unreleased songs. Many of the tunes uh, have big names in the business. You'll, you'll know that. A deluxe book packed with dozens of unseen photos spanning 50 years and other cool collectible items, including one unique surprise item from my personal archives that I personally put in to each vault. And each vault is going to be personally delivered by yours truly, the powerful and attractive Gene Simmons, to fans at private meet and greets around the world. All right. So uh, obviously any information that you want to find out about the Gene Simmons vault, apart from the track listing, which is why we're doing this podcast, you can find at GeneSimmonsVault.com. And I don't doubt that there'll be more updates there. All right, so information about the vaults already started seeping out. Gene's been doing the rounds on numerous um, music-related podcasts, video shows, and whatnot. He's been over on Fox News, some of the other stations as well, pimping his product. But he uh, went on Loudwire, and he had his box with him, and he showed it off to the host. And one thing, I, I do want to put a disclaimer on this show is a lot of the contents and perhaps even versions of the songs in the vault that we're going to discuss may well be different on the final version of Gene Simmons' vault. We're simply going off material that may be pre-production. Again, he's showing off um, a book. He's showing off a vault. It may not be the final, final version that people will be receiving. So it's just important to stress that. And some of the the details about the songs even though we do know their titles it's not clear what versions they are because anyone who's collected kiss unreleased recordings knows there's about eighteen thousand different versions of calling dr love right and i think that you know people should know up front that anything that is played on this show as you said it's it may not be the final thing that we're going to hear or the the the, the quality that is going to wind up on the box set. It's also uh, the fact that all of this is on YouTube, right, Julian? It is indeed. Um, just uh, actually for some of the stuff that we are playing today is not on YouTube, but that's besides the point. You know, the information itself, the, the video interviews that Gene has done have been sourced from YouTube. So they are, they're freely available for you to go and watch. And I do recommend particularly the Loudwire interviews. Um, Eric Miller's interview with Gene Simmons on the Pods and Sods ca uh, podcast was very illuminating. So I strongly recommend that one as well. And there was, of course, uh, Gene Simmons visit Strombo. Um, yes. Again, those are the primary sources that we're referring to now. Um, and I do want to explain something else that um, Eric Miller did give me a shout out in his podcast and in his interview with Gene yes. where where he was uh, mentioning how some of this information surfaced. And I, I do want to just not necessarily correct Eric, but um, when Gene appeared on Loudwire, the video was uploaded to YouTube in high def 
So you just mm -hmm. download the video, you put it up full screen, and you could zoom in on them when they were flipping the pages of the book and read the whole yes. stories behind the songs. And that's that is where we get the full track listing for disc one. So I, I do want to just say it wasn't me who figured that out. Someone else did. I, I don't think I'll even give his name at this point as I'm so associated with it. It's just like I'm trying to dig myself out of a hole with Gene. Yeah. But, uh, you know, th there was there was nothing nefarious, shall we say. Cool. And, and there's nothing nefarious about any of the samples that you're going to be hearing. As we've said, these are not the finished product that will be delivered. This is just a guesstimation, and everything can be found at YouTube. Please do not send the cops after anyone on this show. Gene actually was <laughs> Gene actually was taken aback that uh, you know at, at what Eric Miller said that there that Julian Gill had found these things and what he, he he was not even aware that someone could do this that someone could freeze it on their screen and watch it so we it's just it just shows how hungry kiss fans are and how much people want to know about this set gene so this is a good thing this is a good thing so i i think the, the final disclaimer is gene we love you and yes. we're, we're not trying to ruin any surprises all of these samples that we are going to play in this as well don't email us asking for the full tracks because we don't have them you know we don't right. have any of this stuff all of the samples of um, many of the samples of what is on here have actually been distributed in an electronic press kit right from genesimmonsvault.com so we are using them under the principle of fair use as we're discussing them so um yes. you know just you know that's a long-winded disclaimer but one that needs to be said you're not we're not hiding or hoarding anything at this point well i'm, right. hoard, I'm hoarding stuff but i'm that sort of person so why don't you want to jump into it ken and let's go through this first disc sure let's sell some uh gene simmons vault experiences let's go <laughs> all right well we've known that this one song has going to be the first track on the vault for some time, as Gene has mentioned it in interviews leading up. So let's just play a little bit of Are You Ready? So that is Are You Ready? The first song on the first disc of the Gene Simmons vault. Ken, what do you think of that? Would have been a great opening track for Monster. It would have indeed. You know, it, it's pretty obvious that uh, that is a latter-day Kiss track. And I think the notes for that detail that uh, it's a demo that he cut with Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer. But he also said that it wasn't for any particular album. So it, it sounds a little bit Sonic Boomish to me. Um, but it's also not clear what it, where it comes from. What are, what are some of your other thoughts on it? Right. Well, it, it to me, when, when I mentioned that it would have been great on Monster, it would have been a great kickoff and opener. And we know that traditionally that's a Paul-centric uh, part of the album, if you will, that Paul usually kicks off the albums. But this this would have been a great, fun song to kick off the album. It, it, it could have been everything from uh, – this is the kind of thing that you'd hear at the beginning of Monday Night Football or something like that or any concert or sporting event. Are you ready? It's Gene grabbing you by, by the throat and said, let's go. This is happening. But it sounds like a real fun song, and this is the kind of thing I'm kind of excited about to actually be receiving on the Gene Simmons Vault experience. 
you know, there's one thing I always love about Kiss music, and obviously Gene Simmons is a big part of that. It's the anthems, the songs that yes. de declare intent. And while it may be considered contrived in some way for the first song to be Are You Ready, for that to be the advertising song, I'm all for it. I think it's a perfectly at off track, as much as I can judge from 13 seconds of an audio sample. So, yeah. It's, but I'm already giving it uh, five tongues up. Five tongues up. Yeah, absolutely, Gene. <laughs> that, that's a winner. Yeah, I dig it. All right, let's move on to the next track Turn to Stone. Now, Gene calls it a primitive demo uh, that he recorded just with Tommy Thayer. So let's play a little sample of this. And this is coming off Gene Speaking in Tongues DVD, if you remember that one. And, mm -hmm. you know, I went to dig out this DVD today, and I don't have it. So I had to get this sample from elsewhere. So here's a little bit of Turn to Stone. And again, we don't know if this is the version that's going to be on the vault. <laughs> show you what it feels like on the inside ken what do you think of that one uh i i liked it from from back on the speaking in tongues dvd is it was a pretty cool thing i it's a, it's sad that this has never found its way into our hands onto a legitimate product until now i i think it works as a kiss song as well what do you think absolutely and one of the things that i, I found really interesting you know obviously that's a good nearly half a minute sample that was on speaking in tongues i was very disappointed actually in the period that followed speaking in tongues that those full songs did not leak out i i thought oh now they've done a little bit of them they're they're gonna follow and they haven't so you know, it, it's interesting to see, or more appropriately, to hear um, where the full song goes. And again, I look forward to that. If that's just Tommy and Gene knocking out one, well, sounds good to me. It's it sounds like a good songwriting uh, team. You know what I'm saying? There's there's a lot of cool stuff in this. And uh, again, uh, five tongues. Yeah, and just think of uh, you know sitting down with Tommy Thayer and who's a great guitarist, what he could do, just jamming, coming up with ideas. I, I think it's a really, it'll be a fun look into the process of writing songs with Gene. And it's, there's a neat rhythm and bluesy kind of thing to it as well. Kind of ACD-ish kind of thing. You know what I mean? All right. Next up is Juliet. And I keep hearing him say Julian, but uh, mm. you know, that's just my ego. So here's a little bit of that. And I think this comes off the uh, audio montage from the press kit. You know what? That's got me reaching for a Living Color album. Oh, really? There's there's some song that that really reminds me of. I'm trying to think. The Cult of Personality. Now, there's another one. There's another one that was a big hair metal type band hit, but I can't remember what it is. But it, it I like I like the energy of it a lot. Uh, Ken Tamplin from the band Shout. That's right. Uh, the, the Christian rocker himself who... Uh, has a co-write, several co-writes, actually, with Gene. Very, very fascinating combination, that. And Sammy Hagar's cousin. Is he? Yep, absolutely. 
Well, but this one features a play on the words of Romeo and Juliet. And was this done on tour in Illinois, mid-90s? Yeah, you know, um, this is one of the pages of text that we can actually zoom in on. And he does tell the story of how he was on tour in Illinois, which, of course, has a city called Juliet. Yes. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm not a Midwestern guy, so. Joliet. Okay. Thank you. So Romeo and Joliet. And uh, apparently Gene liked how that phrase kind of worked and what it could have possibly uh, come up with. So he re recorded the demo with um, Kent Amplin on guitar and a drum machine, which is kind of apparent. But, you know, that that's one I'm, again, I'm very much looking forward to hearing the full version because I like the vibe. Again, I, I said I kind of was catching Living Color, Cult of Personality vibe. In it, and it's a little bit outside of the... New the usual sort of wheelhouse that I expect from Gene. So I love it when he, he goes somewhere I'm not expecting. Yeah. And, you know, he, he really is the guy to do that. Like, there's a lot of times that in, within KISS you have a certain structure. This this person will do this and this person will do that. Gene really is all over the map, and that's one of the exciting things about this is we're going to hear all the stuff that was, quote, you know, too goofy for Kiss, as as some people have said, or, you know, it's weird or offbeat. That's the kind of stuff I'm actually really interested in. And, and that's the thing I love about Gene the most, is that he's got so many different voices. You know, he's the man of a thousand masks, you know, a, a thousand faces. But yes. he has he has similar in terms of how he sings. And you either, you never know what, what voice he's going to bring in or what vibe. And, you know, that's just very indicative. Next up is another Ken Tamplin co-written track called Hey You, and we don't have any samples of that, so no idea what that one's going to be like. Um, he, he does mention a little bit about the song and the writing in the book, but, you know, I, I don't think we want to give away absolutely everything. The game is to be sold, not told, right? Absolutely. So I Confess is the third of a trilogy of co-written songs with uh, Ken Tamplin. And of course, this song did make the Carnival of Souls album. So this will be the demo version. You know, demos I love. I love to hear where the songs that do make the albums originally started. Um, what do you think of I Confess as a song, Ken? I love it. Uh, it, it it's 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 got some of that stuff like from legends never die in it and all that stuff that he was kind of swimming with over the years the the ideas he was working with and trying to get out it's it's a very dark song and it's the kind of thing that when people hear kiss they don't think of it right away but that's how i feel about carnival of souls it was the dark side of kiss and so this is this is another good one gene's working out his thoughts about religion a little bit here and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, th this kind of comes into you know it, the seduction of the innocence, and I confess, um, yes. and some of the stuff that he was singing, uh, "Thou shalt not," obviously on "Revenge," all bring up yeah. bring to mind Jimmy Baker, you know, and some of the uh, evangelists who f the fallen angels. But I confess, I love as a song, so I can't wait to hear how the demo started, and to compare it with where they went for the final version. So again, very very appealing for me as a collector. Yes. All right. Next up, and this is one that any fan of the Creatures of the Night era will be very happy. Legends Never Die. Here's a sample.
absolutely adore that has me thinking Beatles white album. Absolutely. Great, great, great. Uh, you, you hit it right on the nail of the head. And as somebody who loves the Wendell Williams album as well, plus the version of this that we heard as, as done by kiss, this is exciting to go back and this is written by Adam Mitchell and Mickey free. Mickey Free, an incredibly gifted and talented musician. And I think we've all waited for more Creatures Era stuff. There's been a lot of excitement recently over the Vinnie Vincent Warrior album that's been released in some markets that did have some stuff that was presented to Kiss and considered. Going to the Wendy O. Williams album, which in some ways is a Kiss album by proxy, just with a different vocalist, it's going to be wonderful again to hear just gene singing it and to see how he changed the lyrics if at all for wendy because some of the lyrics in this were recycled for childhood's end on carnival is sold yeah this is one i'm very excited about i'm going to give this five bloody tongues up oh that's a good that's a good ranking there so i (laughs) i actually uh, logged into um the bmi publishing website today and the copyright splits on this suggest that gene is the majority writer on this song as well people often wonder you know how much of that did someone write well in in this case we're able to kind of figure out it's uh split between three writers and uh gene's representation had at one point at least 48 percent of that with the other two splitting the rest so whatever that means versus reality i think there's a lot of simmons in that song yeah now we're moving on to one that has actually been a part of my collecting story. Years ago, there was an auction on eBay for a Gene Simmons 12-inch reel from the studio, and I actually ended up winning it. On it were a couple of takes of a dreadful song called Street Legal, and then there was a five-and-a-half-minute version of Gene doing Something Wicked This Way Comes, and I'm going to play a little bit of the... Uh, song from my reel. Again, it's important to stress that we don't know what version Gene Simmons will actually release on the vault. He clearly states in the book where you can read some of the text about this song that, um, you know, he recorded several versions, some with Bruce on guitar. I played this for Bruce and he didn't recall playing on it, but, you know, he's done so much work with the band that that's not definitive either. So the version on the vault is going to be uh three minutes and 44 so it's definitely not this song or it's an edited form so great song great title he gave it to doro who did a great job on it too ken what are your thoughts uh this is i've always enjoyed what i have heard as far as this being a demo uh i don't know which version we're going to wind up with right but yeah. uh i'm excited about it. I, this this is a great title this is one of those ones that would have been great 
on Psycho Circus or something like that. If it hadn't been flushed out, you know, couldn't have been worse than a lot of stuff that wound up on there. But <laughs> uh, I, I'm very excited once again. This is going to be great to have this stuff that I've never really been a bootleg person in the sense that. Uh, you know, I didn't have access into the hoarder's world, right? Even to this day, I still don't. And it's been very cool to know that this is, is coming my way. Yeah, well, you know, you know a, a lot of people will experience a lot of these things for the first time, even if yes. they are songs that circulate um, amongst hoarders. You know, I, I had the reel for a little while, and then I sold it on, and then the, the song surfaces, so... You know, what I like about this title is obviously Ray Bradbury, who yes. wrote a very dark science fiction or dark fantasy novel in 1962, which Gene knew the title of, and he mentions it as he talks about it. So, um, I, again, even for hoarders, which I, I guess I do fall into that category, um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it, I've been lucky to come up with some things, and now people are going to really get to share in that. Let's move on to the next song on the first disc, and that is The Hand of Fate. Now, that sounds like something to me that he should have given Nick to sing. And all we know about it is that it dates from 2008-2009. What are your thoughts, at least, on that title, even though we don't have anything to go by? Well, wasn't Hands of Fate part of the lyrics of Legends Never Die? It, you can judge by the Hand of Fate or something like that in the Wendell Williams version. I, I guess it could well be, and obviously Gene is well known for writing down little catches of, you know, phrase, series of words, just little lyrical ideas like that, and if your backbone has ever slipped, then you know he reuses them. <laughs> well, there was a movie called Manos and of Fate, which was a big thing from 1966, and uh, it's uh, one of those cult movies, that you know, those horror films that Gene might love so who knows maybe that's where he got it from but uh i don't know i'm, I'm excited i'm curious all right now we're going to get into a, a, a few songs that we really don't have any demos or samples to share with you the first of these is hunger and uh, gene is very clear in detailing that he recorded this in atlanta he, he didn't know the year but uh, we've pretty much figured out that uh, since they played in atlanta on New Year's Eve in 1985, that it was probably the next couple of days in January 1986 with Eric Carr and Bruce Kulik, of course, and he makes, uh, and that's Gene it is, makes the point of saying that the other band members were out whoring and he went into the studio to record this. So um, I'm going to call this one one of the 25 to 30 songs that he gave to Ron Nevison for Crazy Nights. Mm. Yeah, probably. And that's all we could say on that, everyone. So you're just going to have to check back and see if we come up with anything new in future episodes of this podcast. Next up is In My Head, the original demo of the song that appeared on Carnival of Souls. Again, I've said it before, I can't wait to hear what these demos sounded like versus the final version. Do you actually like this song, Ken? Uh, yeah, it's uh, th this is this is a good one. Uh, I, I love this song. I wish that... Uh, I remember... Uh, the, at the time that this was going to be coming out, there were people that were trying to get the Spawn movie soundtrack to be done by Kiss. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, and this was one that uh, I remember seeing back in the old days where someone took a thing of uh, Spawn, a comic panel where he was screaming about his, you know, how he couldn't think straight and saying that this would be perfect for that. So 
it'll be interesting to hear because the the final version is so heavy. I mean, it's one of the heaviest songs in the entirety of the Kiss catalog, and that that stomp, that <laughs> it's just amazing. It'll be interesting to hear how that started out life as. Yeah, you know that that really grinding kind of. Um pulsing throb that that song has it's like baby driver 1995 only darker <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I, I, I don't know how i went there but i did all right next song up is carnival of souls number one and likely another demo version um one thing i do remember obviously i did write the kiss and related recordings focus is i was coming up with so many different versions of carnival of souls that he had actually worked on rewrites of rewrites of rewrites there was a song of uh island of lost souls and then carnival of souls so again coming back to gene and how he writes it's not sitting down and writing a song for gene in many cases though no doubt he's had some that have just come to him in a flash He's taken ideas, verses, bridges, choruses. Oh, what, what was Kurt Cobain's uh, verse, chorus, verse, or whatever? But, but G, again, he's a constructor. Yeah, he, he absolutely is a constructor. And again, those are titles of movies: Carnival of Souls. You know, he Gene gets a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of juice out of movie titles and book titles and things like that. Things that he's like she, for example. Look at where that came from, right? All right, so the next one, again, we don't have any sample for. Are you a boy or are you a girl? And when when he's asked about this in one of the interviews, it, he does struggle to remember the name of a band that recorded the song, but he does, he, and I was very impressed by this, actually. He does eventually identify the Barbarian song of the same title, which many people have wondered if this was a cover from. But uh, unlikely that it's a cover of that 1966 song, even though Gene was aware of it, he probably just liked the title and wrote his own song around it because the credits are strictly Simmons. Yeah. I'm very excited about this. Uh, and, you know, we're only on disc one. We're not even through with disc one yet. This is this is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'm shocked. You know, as we go through it song by song, even though I've thought about these things, it's just, um, you know, how far we're going into Gene's career and we're not even, you know, through disc one yet. So next song up is Say You Don't Want It. Well, I don't think that ever applied to Gene. So I don't know a thing about that. It just sounds like it sounds like a good Gene title and something that he shouldn't be singing. Absolutely. I mean, the man's a father, for God's sakes. You know, It's weird how we put all these stipulations. Like, it's okay if you're 25 to be you know, a, a guy going after chicks. But if you're that age, come on, lay off. No, it never ends, folks. <laughs> Next song. I don't even know if this is a song, because everything I've heard about Mongoloid Man is that um, it's got Joe Perry of Aerosmith playing guitar on it. And mm -hmm. from what I hear, was written around 1976. But from someone who has heard it, apparently, he described it as boring, repetitive. So from from that, I kind of figured that it was more a riff idea. So, and you know, I'll get to judge for myself, I guess. It's the kind of thing that it sounds like uh, you were jamming with someone. Someone came up with something really cool. And you kept hoping that it would go somewhere cool. But you just wanted to make sure that you documented this riff so this is 
from 1976. So this is amazing. And uh, this was considered for the KISS box set, right? It was, from what I understand, uh, one of the ones that was considered because everyone had heard about it. And Gene had mentioned it in, in so many interviews in Goldmine in the 1990s. So it's one that's been out there. And I, I don't know if this one ever even made it into hoarder circles. So be one that we all get to enjoy, I guess. Yes. The last song on disc one that we know of right now is I Wait. What do we know about it? It was co-written by, I love this, Steel Panther's drummer. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. You know, it, it took a little bit of blurry zooming in at the bottom of that page to figure out that it was uh, Darren Leader. And once you see the publishing information next to it, it was enough to confirm that uh, it was steel panther so steel panther and kiss and gene simmons i i think it's probably a perfect combination and don't forget darren was actually on an episode of gene simmons family jewels mm -hmm. I, I think it involved the bull that episode yes and a, <laughs> and a glove and everything yes. else i just want to block out of my mind it's like a glove all right, let's get into you know something else that we have a, a sample for because uh, talking about all these songs that we really don't know much about is you know if you've been asleep, wake up! Come on, guys, wake up, sleepyheads! Yeah, it's party time! <laughs> a little bit of nuke. All right, so let's play a little bit of Christine Sixteen featuring uh, who are those guys? The Van Halen Brothers. Never heard of them. From the Van Heusen shirt company. Remember, Gene thought that when he first heard Van Halen, he thought it was the Van Heusen shirts company. And, uh, you know, kind of funny. I'm just a poor immigrant boy from Israel. Hmm. Now... Gene has confirmed that uh, the Van Halen brothers are, of course, represented on this box. Finally, I'm looking up at the yes. sky. My fists are raised because that means Got Love for Sale and Tell yep. Love. And, of course, Christine 16, which we just played some of. Um, but that demo, um, I've got a little bit of a problem with that sample, which, again, comes off the audio montage. That's got piano on it. I thought that happened in the studio with Eddie Kramer spontaneously, in which case it's going to ruin all my dreams. Well, there's the story, and then there's what really happened. We always like the story better than what really happened, right? I'm accord. Uh, as far as, you know, where that sample stops, it's like you know that the solo is right at the other end of that, right? It, it, if you listen to that, it's heartbreaking because they take you right up to where the solo would start because they know that you want to hear it, right? They're just mean, evil bastards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is something that we've been excited about since we heard the whispers of this even being a reality. Remember all those years ago, everybody said, ah, Gene's just talking out his ass. It's coming out, folks. Here it is. And here's the reason that I'm excited about it. Someone was saying on, I think it was the FAQ message board, could have been Facebook, whichever. Who cares? The, Gene has said that Ace played Edward Solo's note for note. So why do we care? We've already heard them then. They're on Love Gun. And if Ace did the same thing as Edward, then what's it matter? What's it matter? Are you joking? You're going to get right. to hear Eddie Van Halen do the solos, and we're going to know definitively whether or not Ace just copied Edward 
note for note or not. So I'm really excited about it because who gives a shit if he did copy him note for note? And that'll be Eddie Van Halen playing two and a half Kiss songs. Right. That's just a kind of thinking I cannot understand as a fan. Like, I'm a huge Beatles fan, right? There's a whole thing called anthology made up of stuff of this, stuff like this. This is the stuff that dreams are made of. I, I love seeing where songs come from. This is going to be fantastic. And, and the Beatles are another great parallel because do you remember a few years ago how overnight on iTunes, the 1964 boot, like, um, radio sessions appeared? Yes. We already, had, we already had versions of all those songs and everything else, but as a Beatles geek, it was like, <gasps> more Beatles yeah. stuff to buy! Click! Take my money! And it's weird, people are... Uh, I'm not going to go there. But You, you know, you just... I, either you get it or you don't. You know, it may turn out to be one of those destroyer resurrected Sweet Pain moments. You know, we've heard for years and years about how Ace cut a solo for Sweet Pain, how, for whatever reason, it was redone by Dick Wagner... And then we finally got to hear it, and we're like, that's it? Well, mm -hmm. you know, be, be thankful, I guess, that we finally get to hear it and judge whether it's... Absolutely. That's it. However, one of the biggest moments on the Gene Simmons vault has been teased in one of these samples. And I'll let this sample speak for itself before we discuss it. How many KISS fans have not wanted a crystal clear, full-length version of It's My Life from 1982? Um, my hand is raised, teacher. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm teacher. here. I abs I wanted that. I've wanted that for so long. It's To me, it was a crime that this was never on Creatures or Asylum or whatever. It should have been... You know, it should have come out a long time ago. I don't care who was responsible for it not being on a Kiss album. And I do not really care for the version that came out around the time of Psycho Circus. It just, it's not the same. It's its just not there. You know what I'm saying? It's its a lesser product. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I know it features the band, but it's a lesser product. It, it's not, it didn't have the energy that the other one did. So I, this is something I'm incredibly excited to own. And the details of which I am incredibly excited to find out. You know, who is on that? Is this Vinny? Is this Ace? Is this one of the 750 people who'd went through the doors during guitarist um, auditions in 1982? And there were 700. Another song with Eric Carr on drums, and it's the bombastic Eric Carr. Some of the yeah. best drum sounds ever captured. That was Nico Bolas, who uh, did the drumming, miking for uh, for that album. And obviously, you know, there's a version that was put out on Wendy Williams. But this is the Kiss version, so we're getting into Spinal Tap, man. This goes up to eleven. These go to eleven. These go up to eleven. All right, so Nigel is going to bring you the next song. So, ah, uh, yeah, I had I had a tough time with this one. So here's a sample. Uh, 
and uh, now I listen back to it and I have listened to the album that that is actually on today it's pretty clear who that background vocalist is that is Jamie St. James I'm pretty sure that is that is a demo for um, a song that appeared on In Heat the final Black and Blue album and Jay Richter was kind enough to point out that that was a Black and Blue song so um, yeah I'm, I'm fine with that I was listening to In Heat today and actually enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to Absolutely. So this is disc one. Oh, that 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 is the segue into disc two. Those are just a few songs that appear in the montage that we don't know what disc they actually appear on yet. So we're, we'll be finding out and hopefully in a future episode of the uh, Gene Simmons vault cast, we'll be able to share that with you. So let's move on to disc two. And this one's a little bit tougher. It'll be um, will be a little bit more brief with this because it was shown in the second Loudwire video, but they didn't zoom in enough to allow us to really clearly read all the details. And um, I think another disclaimer is probably needed in this one that maybe people are reading a little bit too much into the blurry text. Some things are obvious, and this one starts off with weapons. Now, if you bought Gene Simmons' solo album in, what year did that come out, 2004? I think so. Uh yeah, I'm pretty sure. You know, but it's weird because not very many people have heard that album to begin with. So that whole album is rare to some people. So. <laughs> but we're going to hear the the demos that that wound up on that album. So yeah, which were songs that he uh, again Gene brought to the Psycho Circus session and possibly earlier. Again, uh, it's going to be so exciting to find out all of the details. An another version of Weapons follows. Um, at least what people think it is another version and then hate and another version of carnival of souls follows so we've already talked about carnival of souls hate is one of those songs that i can't decide if i do hate it or not it's just an oddity it's it's a very uncomfortable song um but again it's kind of kind of good to always hear gene going in a different place and you might expect him to uh -huh. all right so this next song has an interesting story. I'll play a little sample first and then we'll talk about that story. Where he's needed the least uh, He's one of those regular dudes <laughs> He's that master of flash Till his mind starts to crash It's come so he's hard to refuse Twelve-year-olds and And no, that was not Gene Simmons singing. He has a lot of voices, but he does not have John Montgomery's voice. Um, to answer some of the questions about this song, this is Master of Flash. In the early 1970s, 1973 to be precise, Kiss performed with a band called Street Punk. And mm. Alarm bells should now be going off. John did an episode of BJ Cramp's Rock and or Roll, episode number 33 in 2014 where he discussed the whole 1973 music scene in New York and a lot more of his uh, personal history. And he tells the story of Master of Flash was a street punk song that he wrote mm. with Robert Blaine, who was, I think, the pianist in that band. And that Gene and Paul, Gene specifically, had uh, come to them and offered them money for 
this song and another one of their titles, Rock and Roll Appetite. And I think he, he offered them 20000 for each. And again, this is uh, John Montgomery, so I don't know of any factual stuff to back any of this up other than him telling the story. And eventually, at least, Master Flass was transferred to Kiss, the copyright, in 1980. Huh. And obviously it was never recorded, but it's, it's almost a send in the clowns or, yes. or, or, or something similar. I don't know if, if, if you can figure out a better way to describe it. It's a very odd song that I just think is, I've heard John's original demo. I, I just find it, what would Gene do with this? Yeah, it definitely fit into that circus carnival vibe of Psycho Circus, but it also could have been Gene's version of Do You Love Me? Uh, on Destroyer, you know what I'm saying? That kind of a vibe. Wow, I did not even think about that. That's that's a really, really good way of looking at it. it. It it's almost the same song in some ways, thematically. You know, what do you love about me? Why do you love me? You know, I'm your master of Flash. So it's the same kind of thing. Very cool. And the second song, of course, is not included on the vault, as far as I'm aware. And that was uh, Street Punk's Rock and Roll Appetite, which John said was an inspiration for Rock and Roll All Night and Tomorrow and Tonight, which obviously was a rewrite of Rock and Roll All Night. So um, I think a lot of the other songs on this disc are likely demos of of songs that we, we do know within In Your Face is uh, Gene's vocal. Obviously, Ace did record that as a bonus track for the Japanese edition of the album. A couple of other songs of uh, I Want to Live. If it's mm-hmm. too hot, you're too cold. Gonna put my log <laughs> in your fireplace like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> Getting towards the end of this disc is Rain Keeps Falling, and we do have a sample of that for you. So that has now leaked to the wider masses as part of the Psycho Circus outtakes. Gene did, of course, release it on the bonus CD that came with the uh, Gene Simmons Family Jewels Collector's Edition DVD in 2006. So I'm going to assume it's a different version. There's probably several. And if not, then I guess it'll still be legitimate for him to uh, call it unreleased because it wasn't released widely. Have you heard that? Have you heard that song before, Ken? Yes. Yeah, it's it's. I, I like I like the version that is on the Family Jewels Collector's Edition set, and uh, but uh, it's going to be. I'm, I'm I'm very curious to see what will be different about it. And then the 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 second CD ends with what looks like a song called "Bells of Freedom," and the first word's a little bit tough to make out. So we'll find out. So you know, why don't we wrap up this episode with um, you know, just a sample. F- Another sample from Gene Simmons' montage. And this is Laughing When I Want to Cry. (laughs) 
So that that was obviously co-written with Bob Dylan. Tommy Thayer has uh, recently described playing guitar in the session, being called by Gene. Hey, I've got Bob Dylan over at the house. You want to come over and play some guitar? <laughs> yeah, I mean, can can you imagine being Tommy Thayer and getting yeah, a call from Gene saying that he's hanging out with Bob Dylan? You want to come over? I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah, that that uh, what a what a great moment in in rock history. Seriously, that is just so cool. Oh, you know, I kind of wonder if Paul was jealous about that because we know Bob's a big Bob Dylan fan, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it, it it's all these things that Gene has done in his career, like jamming with Bob Dylan, that uh, I think are what's going to make this vault so exciting. These are just a few of the collaborations, you know, that we've discussed today, you know, and, and Bob Dylan's just one person. Uh, who else has played on these? Joe Perry has played on one, the Van Halen brothers. Who else is going to come out of the woodwork in the Gene Simmons vault? That, that's the anticipation, the, the yeah. excitement for me. Now, let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with your vault? I'm talking about the actual vault. Well, I, I, I think uh, I'm going to have to order a lamp that's like shaped like a leg out of a Christmas story. There you go. Because it, it's big enough to be like a coffee table or, yeah. or it looks like it is. I, I hear it's actually yeah. made out of wood and it's got yeah, a it's like a table, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't even have enough room here to Kisteria's right next to me. And it always gets right. in the way. What am I going to do with it? I mean, I, <laughs> I guess I have to find somewhere that has an attic and store it there. But, uh, well, the neat thing is, is I'm sure you can put some other rare CDs and stuff in there, right? I, I hope it's a little bit more multi-use than just yeah. hold, just holding a Gene Simmons action figure, a medallion, yeah. um, a personal item from his collection, a book in this which contains a CD. So I, I hope I can fit something yeah. else in it. Maybe I can take some of my cassette tapes that I have next to me and hoard them inside the vault. Uh, I don't know if there's metal that might you know the magnetic fields and all that you might want to watch that but i think cds you know you could probably fit the whole kiss cd catalog in there if you're careful well on a usb stick of course <laughs> no i mean the actual cds you know i i think that they could fit in there but uh no it's going to be really neat and uh, is it going to be one of those things where the cds are in the book they are that's what it appears to be uh when gene leafs through the book on the loud wire videos that first thing I will do is take those out and put them in cases. The very first thing I'll do. I plan on ripping mine to MP3s first. Well, as I take them out, then they will go into a home because I don't want them scratched by the cardboard. You know, I, I would also suggest anybody that does do this, play your CDs, make sure that they don't skip because your window of opportunity to get replacements, I'm sure, is... Uh, probably pretty small right yeah but you know they've, they've already hired someone to do customer service who's done a very good job answering the telephone and answering questions i, I do want to ask you ken you know we've gone through what we think are the uh you know the first two cds can i have you try and pick a favorite out of that material that you know it, it's two cds out of i think two out of ten cds pardon me um what's that what's the material that excites you the most here and if you can narrow it down to one song it's my life and it's weird because that's a song that i have access to you know the kiss version the wendy o williams version but there's just something about that to me this is the late uh 
you know, one of the great lost kiss classics because of somebody making a decision. It it didn't get to our hands unfairly. What's wrong with a B side, guys? You could have threw it on Killers or something. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kiss and B sides. Mm. All right. So I'm going to try and pick one here and I'm going to stay in the same era. I'm going to say right now, I am most excited about Legends Never Die mm. and getting to hear that one. It's just, you know, we've got a friend who has done a couple of episodes of the Kiss Have a Hue podcast, Joe, who suggested yes. that we do the episode on Wendy O. Williams' album. And it turned out to be one of the most fun episodes in, that I didn't expect it to be. I, I thought, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? But it was really engaging. So tying all that together, um, the Creatures Era tracks and actually hearing one that I have not heard yet. So where I've heard it's my life. You know, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Very excited. And if you want more information, you can check it out at GeneSimmonsVault.com. So, Julian, you know, if people like what they've heard, it's time for them to log on on their Internet typewriters to GeneSimmonsVault.com. It is the one place that you can get all the information for, for everybody out there about the box set to get. This is it, the one, the only, the only time you can get this, the Gene Simmons Experience at GeneSimmonsVault.com. You know, let's bring this one to a, a close, Ken. You know, we'll be back for future editions of the Gene Simmons Vault Cast. It's just an opportunity to dig in and talk about what we're learning. I, again, can't be stressed so many times that uh, we don't know for certain what is going to be in this vault. What we do know for certain is that it's exciting. That's right. If this doesn't make your schmeckle hard, I don't know what would. <laughs> Oh, go get your jerk socks. Yeah. You are listening to the KISS FAQ vault cast with a bunch of powerful and attractive men. Let's leave it there. Thank you all for joining us, and we will see you on the next episode of the vault cast. Bye for now. Is someone going to cut a check for that? It's in the mail. Know.